spend when you talk with people and uh, the relationships and what they look like. He just pins it really well. So I encourage you to pick up this book, The Four Loves. It's on that book table right over there. And as we go through Proverbs, we're also uh, looking through a Proverbs-driven life. Uh, and this is kind of uh, uh, the book on, uh, you know, kind of leading us through when it comes to work or money and friendships. This is kind of kind of our working text um, outside of uh, the book of Proverbs. So again, I encourage you to look at that book table. And as we're discussing these issues of wisdom when it comes to marriage or money uh, or friendships, uh, maybe that's an issue that you think, okay, God, I need some wisdom when it comes to this. And uh, I hope the summer conversations, I hope books, I hope going through Proverbs, I hope you would take the keyword intentionality towards maybe one of those areas in your life They think, I need to grow in this area. So I'm going to put some extra effort in praying about it, in studying it, and then letting the Lord come alongside me as I attack it and uh, take his wisdom on. Does that make sense? Okay, good. So, there's my word while everyone starts coming in. Okay, people have made their way in. Let's, um, let's start. Uh, car repair is my specialty. I don't know if you know, if anyone's known me for long enough, you know that I am amazing at car repair. Um, I know how to uh, fill up my gas tank. I know how to put in window washer fluid. Uh, when the, the wheels are squeaky, I know my carburetor needs to be changed. Uh, when um, I hear a noise under the hood, I know the shocks probably need to be replaced. And when there's a burning smell in the car, I, it's probably an old fry that one of my girls left in there, right? No, car repair is not my specialty. Uh, and uh, I'm one of those people, when the check engine light turns on, I see it more of a suggestion than to take it literally. Um, maybe you're one of those people, too, that has your car light on right now as we speak. Uh, I wish it would be that easy. All I had to do when I bought a car is change the gas, you know, put in new gas. That's all I needed to do. Don't change gas. So all you do is put in gas. Yes, oil. That's what you need to do, change oil. I don't even want to do that, you know? Uh, wouldn't it be great if that's all we had to do with relationships, too? It didn't take maintenance. It didn't take repair. That uh, we could just smile and nod or send a card once in a while or, uh, you know, go to that movie night with a person, and that's all we needed to do. It didn't take any more work or effort, maintenance, repair. I mean, what's the big deal? So the tires are worn. So my check engine light is on. What's the big deal? <laughs> when you're in Kenya, you realize what the big deal is. Uh, in Africa, um, I noticed that they have these black sandals. And I'm like, why does everyone have these weird black sandals? And as you analyze them further, they're called matatu sandals because what they are is the sandals they're wearing are old tires. <laughs> and tires from what's called a matatu. A matatu is... Um, kind of the Kenyan traveling uh, taxi service. And if you've ever seen one in Kenya, uh, it's kind of like a circus mobile because there's about uh, too many people in it, first of all. And there's even people hanging on the sides. Okay, You can imagine someone hanging on the side of this um, kind of SUV-looking uh, vehicle. And many times what happens is that they do not care about these cars. 
the wheels got bad. And uh, when I was there, there was quite a crackdown because many deaths had occurred because there was not good maintenance of these matatus. The tires were popped, therefore you get the matatu sandals, and there were many deaths and tragedies because these cars were not maintained. In the same way, when we don't check up on relationships, when we, do not do, we don't do maintenance, there can be much damage. It can wound others. It can severely wound us. And even greater, it can wound communities, churches, families, and cause devastation that ripples for generations. And this is why Proverbs is good. Because it gives us wisdom. Wisdom about relationship maintenance and repair. And I want to let us think about these three things. When is it okay to keep driving in the relationship? When is it good that we should start looking under the hood? And then what are the tools that we need to fix the major problems that happen in friendships and relationships? And Proverbs and the wisdom from it is going to give us some answers. So shall we look together? Let's do it. Let's look to Proverbs. It's pretty here in your worship guide. I've given you quite a few. And we'll look at it and uh, we will discuss. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips. And whoever utters slander is a fool. Whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, But he who repeats a matter separates close friends. The beginning of strife is like letting out water, so quit before the quarrel breaks out. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his his glory to overlook an offense. It is an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife, but every fool will be quarreling. Drive out a scoffer, and strife will go out and quarreling and abuse will cease. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it and be displeased, and turn away his anger from him. Be not a witness against your neighbor without cause, and do not deceive with your lips. Do not say, I will do to him as he has done to me. I will pay the man back for what he has done. What your eyes have seen do not hastily bring into court, For what will you do in the end when your neighbor puts you to shame? Argue your case with your neighbor himself, and do not reveal another's secret. Lest he who hears you bring shame upon you, and your ill repute have no end. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is your word. This is your wisdom. 
Let it lead us. Let, us. let it call to us. Let us hear it from the street. Let us hear it from the high places so that we might live it out in our lives. In your son's name, amen. Again, we've been going through the book of Proverbs, going through the book of Proverbs this summer, and it's a book about wisdom. And what is wisdom? Uh, we've kind of said it's the skill and art of godly living. It's the ability to take knowledge and ideas and apply it in the right time, in the right place, in the right way. And when it comes to relationships, uh, you know, this gives us a lot of insight. Is it moral for us to stay silent, to stay silent when there's an issue? Should we wait to say something? Should we confront? You know, any one of those tactics would be moral. The question is, when you do it. Because if you do it at the right, wrong time, it might be foolish and stupid. But if you do it at the right time, it will be wise. So Proverbs is trying to let us understand, how do I take principles and ideas and apply it to dynamics that are not just black and white, but that are gray? How do I do this relationship thing at the right time? And uh, we saw that we divided the book between chapters 1 and 9 and 10 through 31. And 10 through 31 have all these different sayings. And we could go right through the book, chapter 10 through 31, but... We do that for most books, but here I think it's better to divide it in topics because there's many topics that Proverbs hits. We talked about that friendship, marriage, parenting, all those different topics, and that's what we're going to be doing. And last week, Andrew did a great job of talking about um, the principle of friendship, uh, what it looks like to have friendship, the values of friendship, and those things. And I want to just take it um, a step deeper into um, maintaining and repairing um, friendships and what that um, that looks like. And again, chapter 1 through 9 uh, talks about these two different ways to live. With, by lady wisdom or by lady folly. And when it comes to managing and repairing relationships, lady folly says this, discord, quarreling, destruction. That is the way of relationships when it comes to folly. And when it comes to lady wisdom, it talks about Unity and patience and harmony. And again, when we look at chapters 10 through 31, we look through the lens of chapters 1 through 9. And so 1 through 9 give us some major principles in how we then look at all these kind of little statements of Proverbs. And in chapter 6, it's very harsh about one of folly when it comes to relationships. It says in chapter 6, 16 through 19, six things I hate, seven are an abomination. And when it does that kind of structure, what it says is these six things are bad, but the seventh thing that is mentioned is even worse and bad. And again, that proverb centers on this one. And this is what the one says. The thing that the Lord sees as an abomination is someone that sows discord among brothers. That is what it picks out. One that sows discord among brothers. Um, <laughs> here's the thing about cars. Uh, they're depreciating machines, aren't they? You know? Uh, and we're always um, 
one sense, surprised and not surprised by it. Because once we all have had cars that have broken down, correct? Maybe some of you have never had a car break down. But they break down. They have problems. They have issues. But then we're surprised when they do break down, aren't we? Even though we've experienced that. What? The starter isn't working now? What? The brakes went out? What? The tires? I just bought new tires. You know, whatever it might be, we're surprised when they break down at that time. In the same way it comes to relationships, <laughs> we've all experienced breakdowns in relationships. We've all been hurt by others, whether it's a friend, family member. We have experienced breakdowns, so we shouldn't be surprised. But in one sense, we are surprised, aren't we, when it does happen. You know, Andrew mentioned friends last week, right? We all want relationships like friends, you know? It's all happy and great. Just put a laugh track behind it, it's all good. But it doesn't work that way. I've noticed this thing, and again, piggyback on, on Andrew, the thought that the problem in our society today is the sense of autonomy. And uh, I can do things on my own. And I think that has really been a problem when it comes to friendships in this way. That the American idea of manifest destiny, of moving west, of going to a new place, happens when it comes to relationships. What? I don't like my family? I can move to Colorado, right? <laughs> I can just move to another state. And the ability in America, you can do that. You can just go somewhere else. Mobility has allowed us to do that. What? I don't like my neighbor? I can sell a house like that and move. Or if I don't like him, I can just have the garage door opener. Up, down, up, down. I don't have to ever see them. What? I don't like my coworkers? That's why I can just surf career builder all day long and put out my resume where I want to. When the right job comes, I can grab it. The ability to move away from relationships. The ability to move away when things get hard is an American ideal. <laughs> and you know what? I'm glad it doesn't happen in church. <laughs> I think it happens in church more than anywhere else at times. Because there's another one right down the road I can just go to when I have a problem or an issue. A great book, C.S. Lewis' book, The Great Divorce. It's not about divorce when it comes to marriage. No, it's an allegory about heaven and hell. And in the first chapter when Lewis is describing in this allegory hell, he says hell is like this. It's like these people that own mansions but are separated from everyone else. And this is what happens in the allegory of The Great Divorce. is um, It's an ever-expanding land, hell. And whenever someone has an issue, they just, bloop, move to a further spot away. And a further spot away. And a further spot away. Until people are separated from each other, and all they are left to is themselves and their own thoughts and their own mansion. Hell is a separation from all others. And that is as Lewis describes in The Great Divorce. And that is why I think wisdom is so good. And I talked about this two weeks ago. That again, it's a father speaking to a son about the tension of finding the right woman. 
There is angst. How do I find the right person? And a young man, there's tension there. The thing is, that tension just doesn't happen in the first nine chapters. The tension will happen in chapters 10 through 31. How do I spend my money? There's angst with what is going on with my finances. There is angst when it comes to my parenting and how I'm raising my kids. It's a struggle. And in the same way, there's angst when it comes to how I deal with my friendships and my relationships. And Lady Wisdom is calling in the midst of that angst, saying, Listen to me. Do not run. Do not take the easy way, the easy path, the house that is adorned with fragrance and incense. Lady Folly says, Just come to me. Take the easy way. No, Lady Wisdom calls and says, I have a greater way. Not a way of destruction. In the midst of your tension with relationships, in the midst of the hard struggles that happen with friendships over time, come to me. I have wisdom for you and how you're supposed to act and what you're supposed to do. Will you listen to me? Will you come to me? Well, let's do it. And let's see what it says, what wisdom calls out. In a first look, I'm going to kind of jump around to these passages here. We'll look at three right now. 17, verse 14. The beginning of strife is like letting out water, so quit before the quarrel breaks out. 23. It is an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife, but every fool will be quarreling. Then 1911. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. You know, if I fixed every single problem the um, car repair guy said on my car, I would be dead broke, <laughs> okay? There's wisdom to know things that I should fix and things that can just wait. So how do I know what things I should be fixing and what things I shouldn't be trying to fix? And it's the same way with friendships. Do I go through, go over every little problem I have with someone else? Do I nitpick everything that they do? Man, they chew loud. <laughs> I can't stand that laugh that they have. Why do they always have to take off their shoes when they come in the house? Why does he say again instead of again? You know, like I do, right? Or milk instead of milk, you know, whatever it is, you know? Those little things, do I just nitpick over all those little things? In Lewis's book, The Four Loves, he talks about affection. And he says, affection, this love, is the least discriminatory of all the loves. It builds appreciation over time. For example, if someone asks, why did you like your roommate? You say, well, I, don't know. I liked it because... The coffee that he made in the morning. Or I liked it because that little tick, that nervous tick he had before he was about to make a major point. Or the TV shows he seemed to obsess over. Or the way he processed things. I just, I liked my roommate because of that. And that's years after living with him, right? But the thing is, let's say you met that same person that had to do those same things 
in his life right away. Would you say you liked him then? <laughs> I don't like coffee. Um, I don't like the TV shows that my roommate liked now. If someone else likes it, well, that's weird. That's the thing about affection. That you look past those ticks and those things. You just grow to love. That's just part of that person's personality. And the thing is, what Lewis says is that when we are able to have that kind of affection and appreciation for someone with the little idiosyncrasies of their lives, we learn to have a greater appreciation of mankind. That they are made in the image of God, different than us. So that when a friend that we like, or maybe we have a lot in common with, they like a certain coffee shop, and they take us to, I love this coffee shop, and we don't like it, we say, wait, I can appreciate that. Or they like a certain kind of music that we don't like. Say, man, I, I like them. So I can appreciate that. Or in the same way, they like someone else or a relationship. Even though that person might rub us the wrong way, I can appreciate or like them. You know, that's true of the church. Here we are. We're all gathered here, probably because, you know, maybe for different reasons, but okay, we want to worship God, we love God, we want to confess who He is and what He's done in our lives. And then we end up finding other people in the midst of coming to this. And some of them might like the Detroit Tigers, and we forgive them for it, you know. Some people might sing out of tune. Some of them might have just some personality quirks that are totally different than ours. And the great thing about the church is we get to see people made in the image of God and start to have affection and love for people that have different tics than us. And the ability to see when the check engine light is on, say, you know what, I don't really need to fix this right now. I really don't need to tell them, you know, you sing out of tune. We don't do that in the church, do we? We have affection and appreciation for them. And the thing is, when we know relationships are going bad, is that we start to accentuate those little things that they do do, and we see those faults. They are what come to the forefront. Oh man, I can't stand that person. He just sings out of tune. <laughs> or either we start to say, okay, that person lied to me once. That person is a liar. That person didn't do something for me when I wanted them to do it. That person is lazy. But we don't have the same analysis to ourselves, do we? Oh, we might lie occasionally, but we're not liars. We might not follow through with something, but we're not lazy. But we can easily pinpoint that on other people. But at the same time, the problem with affection and appreciation taking it too far is we can say this. Take me for who I am. This is my personality. I'm a jerk. <laughs> I say mean things. Or I just don't follow through. Or I just lie. Just, that's just take me for who I am. That is a wrong way of looking at affection and appreciation. Because there are things that do need to be changed in relationships. There are things that need to be changed in our personality. And just saying, take me for who I am, does not always apply to 
certain areas of our life. So that is why we need to go to not just, oh, I don't need to deal about the car issue, to now we need to start checking under the hood. Are there things that need to be changed, maintenance and repair in relationships? Look with me again to the Proverbs. Chapter 11, verses 12 through 13. Whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. 16.28. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisper separates close friends. 17.9. Whoever covers an offense seeks love. But he who repeats a matter separates close friends. You know, if the muffler is hanging down and is scraping over the ground, if um, the uh, clutch is totally worn out, if when I'm braking there is this large screeching sound, we just can't ignore those things anymore. We have to get them fixed. And the thing is, in relationships, when things are going bad, there are noises we just can't ignore. We can't ignore them anymore. It's so loud, it's so obvious, they just can't be ignored. And the things that, ways it shows itself, is how we speak, and the Proverbs talk about this. It says, okay, you have an issue with someone. Oh, it's not a big deal. I'm okay. I've forgiven them. But how do you speak about them to others? Are you one that spreads strife about the person? Are you the one who repeats the matters of what they've done? But I've forgiven them, but again, it oozes out. I've got to say it to someone. Does it come through slander or gossip or secrets? If you say, I don't have an issue with someone, but the muffler is hanging down and the brakes are squealing, then there is an issue. You need to check under your hood. You need to deal with some maintenance in the relationship. And here it says a folly person will be one that gossips, that slanders, that continues to take this issue and say, oh, I am hurt. So the way I'm going to deal with the hurt that this person has given me is I'm going to mitigate the hurt by hurting them, by just vomiting out what they do to other people. But then it uses this word of the person that is wise. And it uses this consistently through Proverbs. It's a person that covers. person that covers up. I should say, it says cover over. It doesn't say cover up. And that's why I think there is a large semantic range. And I'm borrowing from uh, Bruce Walkey and also Tim Keller, who look at this um, idea of covering. It takes a, a larger range than just a covering o- up. It's a covering over. And what they mean is, when we cover what someone has done to us, or the relationship, relationship discord that someone has done to us, we start to take the pain on ourselves of what they have done. Rather than retaliating, rather than taking the debt off ourselves from the offense by spewing it on on others, we take the pain on ourselves. 
I saw that this week. Uh, Arizona Diamondbacks against the Milwaukee Brewers. And uh, there was uh, Ryan Braun, right? And the Brewers, before uh, Braun got up, they, um, it was an accident. I think it was a true accident. They hit one of the batters from Arizona. And uh, in baseball, when you hit someone, uh, there's kind of sometimes some retaliation. And there is some bad blood between the Brewers and the Diamondbacks. And, uh, you know, as the coach won't admit it, uh, but the coach, usually, the manager usually says, oh, let's pound this um, someone. And the guy to pound is Ryan Braun, right? You know, PED guy, pound him, right? Because everyone hates him anyway because they boo him at every stadium. So let's pound Ryan Braun. And so the next inning, Ryan Braun comes up, and uh, the, the pitcher throws and misses him. It goes behind his back, and the umpire says, don't do it again. And the next pitch, he pegs him, right? Gone, right? Pitcher's gone. Did Ryan Braun throw the bat? Did he charge the mound? No. He took the pain upon himself what the Brewer team should have received. He took it upon himself. Now, I'm not saying Ryan Braun is an angel. That's not what I'm saying. Okay? But I'm saying that is the picture of what it means to take the pain when someone hurts you. What does it look like? Well, forgiveness is an act. So when you forgive someone for hurting you, and all that's in you says, I just want to just tell off this person to my spouse or to someone else. An act of forgiveness is saying, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take the pain. I'm going to cover it. Man, I, I just want to, I just think about all the things I want to say to this person. It just repeats in my head. I just dwell on what I want to say and do to this person. Forgiveness is an act. God, what they did was hurtful and painful. There's nothing I can say or do that is going to be able to resolve this situation. It is going to hurt. And I'm going to forgive them. Are you doing that? Are you looking under the hood? Are you understanding the pain and suffering that will come with trying to get it fixed? Because it will. Sometimes it's good to just let idiosyncrasies go by. Sometimes it's good to just take the hurt and pain that someone has given you. But sometimes it's wise to have the tools to get that relationship fixed. And how do we know when we need to take that step? Look with me. Proverbs twenty-four seventeen through 18. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls. And let not your heart be glad when he stumbles. Lest the Lord see it and be displeased. And turn away his anger from him. Proverbs twenty four twenty eight through 29. Be not a witness against your neighbor without cause. Do not deceive with your lips. Do not say, I will do to him as he has done to me. I will pay the man back for what he has done. Proverbs twenty five seven through 10. 
What your eyes have seen do not hastily bring into court. For what will you do in the end when your neighbor puts you to shame? Argue your case with your neighbor himself and do not reveal another secret. Lest he who hears you bring shame upon you and your ill repute have no end. Proverbs 25, 21 through 22. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. In Proverbs 27, 5 through 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. So how do you know it's time to do repairs? How do you know it's time to pull out the wallet and pay the money? Well, I think what Proverbs is showing here is that you need to start with the right attitude before you come into the conversation. If you have the attitude going into the conversation of maintenance and repair in a relationship that says, you know what? God is going to bring vengeance on this person. <laughs> you're not coming with the right attitude. If you're coming with an attitude that says, um, I am going to uh, try to fix this person so finally they're going to act the right way. That is not the right attitude to have. I think the verse that's really key on this one, I'm going to look again here on 24, 17 through 18. Um, do not rejoice when your enemy falls and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles. Let the Lord see it. And be displeased and turn away his anger from him. I think what this verse is pointing out is that the thing that that person has done against you will pale in comparison to the hatred that you're starting to have against that person. And in fact, your hatred towards that person might actually warp you enough to be worse than the act that they did against you. Okay, uh, uh, Star Wars, right? That's the best way I can illustrate it. Sorry, I, I don't like Star Wars 1 through 3, but uh, I have to use it from there, okay? I thought George Lucas might have ruined Star Wars 1 through 3, but it's okay, the new ones. But, um, but I am intrigued of how Anakin became Darth Vader, right? How does a guy that's a Jedi Knight that uh, is fighting the dark side then become uh, part of the dark side in Darth Vader? How does that happen? And you see it in uh, how hatred builds in him against Obi-Wan. And uh, it's a lot of unrelationship repair. And you see that when Obi-Wan is trying to correct Anakin, Anakin, all he can see is, Obi-Wan, you are a liar. I do not trust you. All you say and everything that comes out of your mouth is not true. And in the very sense of trying to do that and rebelling against what he feels like is a hurt from Obi-Wan, he becomes evil himself. He becomes the dark side, what he fought against. In the same way, we say, oh, you did evil, you did something wrong to me. In our fighting and warring against that, we become the very folly that we are fighting against. And it says in this Proverbs, and I think I agree with Walkie and what he says, that um, it, it says, uh, 
let the Lord see it and be displeased and turn away his anger from him. In the sense that the Lord is going to turn his anger away from that person and turn it on you. For your slander against them. So when you go to the person and you are going to seek retribution, it will not go well. (laughs) If that is what you're trying to go do, that is not a good way to solve the relationship. Instead, when you go to repair the relationship, you go out of love. I want to correct this person in what they're doing. Because if they continue in this way, they are going to destroy themselves and they're going to destroy others. I'm not going, so I will finally get back the hurt that came to me. Instead, I am going because I realize that if they continue in this way, they're going to cause a wake of the people around them. And they're also going to harm themselves. And there's no matter how much scheming you do, how much you plot in your mind, how the, the conversation is going to go and repair you have to see that God is the one that can do the justice. There is nothing you can say or you can do that is going to be able to bring retribution back to you of what they did to you. Instead, you have to say, God knows the complexities of what they're dealing with. All I am is a person to love them and correct them so that one time they can come to repentance. And this can be true, that when you come to them, you give, the, the give the, your enemy, you give them food to eat, you give them water to drink, and then they will heap burning coals upon their head, and the Lord rewards you. And what does that look like? Well, Ken Sandy gives a good illustration of that. One day he saw a lady uh, walking, um, and she was a neighbor that um, had a seeing eye dog she could not see, and um, she goes on a regular walk around the block, but this time, the, one of the cars and the neighbors was parked um, over um, the sidewalk. And so it's a regular walk, and the dog stops, and the dog nudges with the nose, her leg, move, move over. And it's a regular walk. She's like, why would I move over here? And she tells her, go, go. And the dog still nudges and presses against her leg, and she says, she again, she rebukes the dog. No, no. The dog does it again. This time, she, you know, knees the dog. And the dog yelps. And Ken Sandy is watching this happen. And then she walks and runs into the car. And what Candy Sandy said he saw next was a poignant picture. She falls on her knees. And she embraces her dog and weeps and says, you saw something I did not see. And I hurt you. That is the illustration there. That people are going to hurt you in relationships, whether it's your spouse or friendships or whatever it might be. But do you have the courage to nudge To say, do not go this way. You will harm yourself. Even when it causes abuse upon you. So that when they will come to a place of repentance, where they will stop going down the road of folly and start being corrected to go down the right way.
Lastly, Proverbs 22.10. Drive out a scoffer and strife will go out. Back in Colorado, my friend and I were sitting over breakfast. And we were, he was lamenting the problems of the church, church in general. He said, why does the church have so many problems? Why are there so much torn relationships, hurts, issues? Why? I thought about it more. I answered him there, but I thought about it more this week. I think the church is a, a, a petri dish. <laughs> you know, you did those same things. You took your thumbprint, you put it in the petri dish, and you covered it up, and then you waited a little while. What happened? All this growth happened, right? You know, that bacteria is... Oh, I'm scaring those people that are germaphobes, but that bacteria is out there. It's just, it's there. But when you get in the church and you are in covenant, committed relationships, friendships with each other here, you start putting it in a petri dish. It heats up, and guess what? What is underneath and what is there starts to get exposed. And people decide, oh, look what happens to the church. Look at the pain. Look at the suffering. Look at what people do. Do you know what I should say? It happens out there, too. What you do there is you just run away from it. But here in the church, we see it. It's exposed. And this is the place where we can bring an antidote to it. Where there's a cure. We're finding things that are stuffed for so long. Issues that you have just been suppressing start to come to the surface and how you relate to one another. And finally, we're going to deal with them. Of course there's pain and suffering in the church. That's where it should be. Because we're finally admitting we're sinners that hurt each other, that don't run. That say, I want to love someone. I want to bear with someone. I want to forgive someone. I want to work it out with someone. And it's sad that sometimes, with some people, it cannot be worked out. And that's why that Proverbs of drive out a scoffer and strife will go out sometimes has to happen in the church. But that is not the norm, and it should not be the norm. We should not be saying, oh, I don't like your personality, find another church. (laughs) No, we should say, I am working on my sanctification and working with it with you. Help me. Work through my issues when I'm finally in this covenant relationship with you. Easy, right? No problem. Let's do it. Go forth. Make it happen. No. The only power, the only way that we can do that in the church is one that has done maintenance and repair on us. Slow to anger, abounding in love is our God. How often is our check engine light on? All the time. (laughs) But God does not say, oh, I'm going to expose all your sin at once. Because if he did, what would we do? We would die. But he is slow with us, abounding, giving us grace.
And what did he do when we hurt him? Did he hurt us back? No. Instead, he took the pain and the wounding of our sin upon himself on the cross. And what did he say in repairing us? What did he say? Oh, vengeance, God, put it on them. Smite them. Burn them. Forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. The only way that we can have compassion and grace with others, take the wounds that others give us, and enter into repair with them, is knowing what Jesus Christ has done for us. That is the power and the ability to move forward in relationships and maintenance and repair. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this call from wisdom is sometimes very difficult to hear. But God, I pray that we would listen to Lady Wisdom. That it would come to us when these issues arise. That we would know what to do in those situations. And we would proceed with wisdom that comes from you. In your son's name. Amen. Well, let us continue to worship as we sing, Come Ye Sinners. Let's stand together.